0: There are many people today that, if you were to ask them, and if they would be totally honest, they are are plagued with fears, they are plagued with phobias. In fact, in an article that I read this week, it said that phobias are one of the most common mental illnesses in the United States of America. The National Institute of Mental Health suggests that 8% of U.S. adults have some type of phobia. Women are more likely to experience phobias than men. Typical symptoms of phobias can include nausea, trembling, rapid heartbeat, feelings of unreality, and being preoccupied with the fear object. It's safe to say that many people today struggle with fear. Let me give you just a a list of some of the phobias that I found. You have acrophobia, that's the fear of heights. I deal with that a little bit. When I was younger, a little bit younger, it it didn't bother me so much. I used to love getting on roller coasters, and the higher the better, but now I'm a little more hesitant to crawl on them, that they want to build them a little bit bigger and taller than they used to, and so now I look at them and I, I just stay on the ground. Aerophobia, it's the fear of flying. Amaxophobia, it's the fear of riding in a car. Arachnophobia, the fear of spiders. Some of you may have that claustrophobia, the fear of confined spaces, chorophobia, the fear of clowns, gamophobia, the fear of marriage, glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. In fact, that's one of the top-ranked phobias, just the fear of getting up in front of people and speaking. In fact, when I was in high school, I didn't like getting up in front of a crowd and and, and giving speeches and having to read essay papers. Uh, when it came to music, I had no problem playing an instrument. I could play the guitar or piano or trumpet and, and, and have no problem performing in front of a crowd. But to get up and read a paper, just give me an F and let me flunk. I did not want to read in front of a crowd. Here, here's another one, hemophobia, the fear of blood. The list of phobias could go on and on. And, uh, from those who fear dirt and germs to those who fear the sun. I even read somewhere this week that some people fear certain colors such as the color black, the color purple. And I don't mean the movie, The Color Purple. Uh, Some people even fear numbers. This morning, you may not struggle with any of these phobias or fears, but if we will be honest today, there are some things that we all fear. Let me give you some examples. The fear of not having enough financially. The fear of... Not having enough to meet the needs. We we all know what it's like sometimes to have more money than you've got money. And if I can be a little transparent, sometimes this is one of my greatest fears. of not having enough to provide for my family. And you've probably been there, haven't you? The fear of being alone. Being isolated. And not knowing if somebody is going to be there for us. The fear of being diagnosed with a debilitating sickness. We, we, we sometimes fear what's the doctor going to tell us? What's the report and diagnosis going to be when we go visit the doctor? The fear of dying. We know that as believers we shouldn't fear death, we shouldn't fear going to uh, the next life, but if we'll be honest, we sometimes fear dying. Or maybe I should say this, we fear the process of dying. How about the fear of Failure. The fear of rejection. The fear of not being liked. The fear of people rejecting us and pushing us away. How about this? The fear of the unknown. The fear of uncertainty. The fear of what well, what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You see, the reality here is fear is a basic human emotion that we all experience. And the reality is, your, your list may not be the same as mine, but we can all identify with some of the things that I've mentioned this morning. In fact, fear is such a basic human emotion that many of us constantly live in the grip of fear, worry, and anxiety. In fact, I believe that's why God tells us hundreds of times and in hundreds of ways to fear not, because He knew that we would be people who would be dealing with fear. And so this morning, I want to give you several steps, four steps exactly, to overcoming fear, fear, dealing with fear. So number one, you have to determine the source of fear. You have to determine the source of fear. To overcome fear, we have to know what's driving fear. We have to know where fear comes from. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Paul writing to Timothy tells us plainly and clearly that fear does not come from God. He lets us know that God is not the source of fear, that God doesn't create panic and God doesn't create anxiety. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, God is not the author of confusion and chaos, and God is not the author of fear. You see, our God is full of love, and He loves perfectly, therefore He does not torment people with fear. In fact, later John would tell us that perfect love casts out fear. You see, because God loves us totally and perfectly and when we understand His love for us, it should drive fear out of our lives. And so that raises the question if God doesn't give fear and fear doesn't come from Him, where does fear come from? Well, fear goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Fear came into this world because of Adam's disobedience. Look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 through 10. It says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was a naked and I hid myself. Think about that. Adam before this had never known what fear was. Prior to this, Adam had been in a perfect relationship with God and he had walked with God, talked with God, had intimate fellowship with Him and had never known fear. But now that he had disobeyed God, he's hiding and trembling in fear. Disobedience and rebellion had allowed fear and sin to come into this world. But here's the thing. How did sin and rebellion end up coming into the world? It's because the certain deceived Eve, and Eve gave to Adam, and Adam deliberately disobeyed God. And now the Bible tells us that Satan is the God of this world. And I believe that Satan, being the God of this world, now uses fear as a tactic to come against us. Amen? I believe He uses fear to come against us to torment us and to try to keep us from being what God would have us to be. Listen to John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You see, all he wants to do is steal from you, destroy you, and to try to take you out. When you became a follower of Jesus, you have a bullseye, a target on your back, and Satan wants to try to take you out. And one of the ways and means that he does that is through a tactic called fear. Listen to 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may... Devour! Listen, he, He's trying to devour you and He'll use fear to try to overwhelm you. Notice, it, as He walks about like a roaring lion. You see, if He can roar loud enough, He'll strike fear in your heart. Amen? But in Ephesians 6.11 says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the tactics of the devil. You see, Satan is our enemy, he's our adversary, he's our rival, and he wants to destroy us. And so he's going to attack our mind, he's going to try to raise doubts to cause fear within us. And so that means we've got to watch our thoughts, we've got to guard our minds, we've got to be careful be careful of our thoughts so that we don't give him a foothold in our life. You see, our mind is the battleground, and if we don't renew our mind with God's Word, Satan will do his best to shake us up and cause fear and doubt. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again this morning. The battle is usually won or lost right here in the mind. That's why you have to constantly renew your mind with God's Word. Listen, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, the enemy's trying to come against you. That's why you can't just spend, spend ten minutes in God's Word and think that's going to be enough. When Satan's trying to bombard you daily, that's why a little devotional here and there isn't going to be enough to counter against the enemy. You have to spend time in the Word, spend time in the presence of God, so that you can come against Satan's tactics, so that you can overcome. Fear, you have to know where fear comes from. It comes from Satan. It comes from him working against your thoughts, working against your mind. But let me give you a second step to dealing with fear. You have to seek the Lord. You have to seek the Lord. Look at Psalm 34 verse 4. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Let me read that again. He said, I sought the Lord and He heard me. Aren't you glad God hears you? And He delivered me from all my fears. Do you see what happens when you seek the Lord? He hears you and delivers you from all your fears. This is pretty simple. It's pretty self-explanatory. But it's only as you seek Him that you experience deliverance from your fear. So how do you seek the Lord? That's the obvious question that we have to ask. How do you seek God? Well, it begins when you dust off your Bible and begin to faithfully and fervently read it. You can't let your Bible collect dust. It begins when we read His Word out of a sincere desire to draw close to Him and not out of a boring obligation or duty. It begins when we learn to fear the Lord and the consequences of disobedience. It begins when we humbly cry out to God to forgive us for the times we willingly and knowingly disobeyed Him. It begins when we clean out the sinful areas of our lives and right the wrongs. It begins when we put Him first in our lives. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You see, when we seek Him and become consumed with Him, there is no room for fear in our lives. Think about that. If you'll focus on God, you can't focus on your fears. Let me say that again. If you'll focus on God, you don't have time to focus on your fears. Because whatever you focus on is what you magnify You're not with me this morning. You see, that, that's why you worry. Because you focus on your problems. But if you'll focus on God, you can't worry about that. That's why the Bible says meditate on the Word. Because if you'll meditate on the Word, you don't have time to meditate on all that other stuff. That's why Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, he says, whatever's of virtue, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's of praise, he says, think on these things. Because if you think on these things, you can't think on all the other things. Because if you seek God, you don't have time to seek all the other stuff that's going to bring you down. Amen? You see, if you'll just pursue God, fear can't run your life. Said again, focus on Him, and you can't focus on fear. And so we have to be caught up in going after God. And if we'll go after God and go after Him, seek Him, He'll take care of all the fear in our life. Listen, to Isaiah 26:3. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. You see that? You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. Listen, if you'll keep your mind on Him, He'll keep you in perfect peace. How many would like perfect peace? And can I tell you literally what it's saying there? He'll keep you, literally it's peace, peace, if you'll keep your mind on Him. If you, you won't, if you, listen, that doesn't mean he, He's going to calm the storm in your life, but He'll keep you calm on the inside if you'll put your mind on Him. You see, the storm can rage around you, but you don't have to be troubled if you'll keep your mind on Him. But what do we do so often? We focus on the storm. Can I tell you, Peter walked on the water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But it's when he got his eyes on the wind and the waves that he began to sink. In fact, let me just clarify this. We often talk about Peter walking on the water. Listen, he's walking on a storm. He's walking on waves. He's not walking on calm water. He's walking on waves. But his focus was on Jesus. But when he got his eyes off of Jesus, he went under. And here's the thing. You can do greater things if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your perspective right. You see, that, that's how you have to live this life. That's how you have to, to, to deal with the problems of life is keep your eyes, your focus, your fix, your gaze on Jesus. That's not to say you'll never have problems and that's not to say you'll never have to go through some things. But here's the thing, those things will not have to affect you emotionally if you'll keep your eyes on Him, if you'll seek Him and say, God, I know things are bad right now, but I'm going to seek You and fear won't grip your life. Let me ask you, are you seeking Him? Are you seeking Him? Let me give you a third thing. You have to recognize who God is in your life. Recognize who God is in your life. Listen to Psalm 27, verse 1 through 3. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. David would not be afraid because he knew where his strength and his help came from. In other words, he's he's saying, "I, I have confidence in God. Notice that he says, God is my light, my salvation, and my strength. And can I tell you today that the same is true for us? And if you are a child of God, God is your strength, He is your light, and He is your salvation. You see, He is our light to deliver us from darkness. He is our salvation to deliver us from damnation. He is our strength to deliver us from defeat. You see, when you understand who God is and who you are in Him, you can overcome the fear in your life. I want to remind you today that in Him, you are strong. In Him, you are an overcomer. In Him, you can do all things. In Him, you don't have to be afraid. In Him, you are more than a conqueror. In Him, you can do everything that God says you can do. In Him, you have hope. Amen? Let me ask you today, do you know who He is and who you are in Him? Because when you recognize that, you don't have to be afraid. you know who He is and who you are? Fear will vanish from your life. But finally, know that God is always with you. Know that God is always with you. You see, often fear overwhelms us and we become afraid because we feel isolated and alone. In fact, if we would be honest, we allow fear to drive us away from people. We allow fear to drive us further from those who care about us. But I want to say that if you're a child of God, you're never alone. Psalm 23, verse 4, David, he writes, Say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. When you're going through the valleys of life and the dark shadows begin to overwhelm you, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. In verse 1, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Can I tell you that when you're going through the dark valleys of life, the good shepherd of your soul is present and he will lead you through the valley. Can I tell you, you may be in the valley today, but you're not in the valley to stay. He's going to lead you through the valley. Amen? Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And notice this, you're passing through the waters. You're not in the waters to stay, but you're passing through. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you, what you're going through right now, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. Amen? It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. I know it may look like you've been in it for a season and it's never going to be over with, but I've come to tell you, sooner or later, it's going to be over. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sooner or later, the midnight season's going to be over. Hallelujah. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be born, nor shall the flames short you. Listen, through the valley, through the water, even through the fire, you will never be alone. Hebrews 13, 5. He tells us there in the latter part of it, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, you'll never be abandoned or forsaken by God. Others may leave you. Others may walk out on you. Others may turn their back on you. But God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. God will never leave you high and dry. But God will always be present. Well, Pastor, what about if I fail? Listen, God will still be there. What about if I fall? God will still be there. What about if I mess up seven times over? God will still be there. He'll never leave or forsake you. I can testify today that God's always been faithful. Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The words very present help means an abundantly available help. You see, there's times you're not going to get a hold of your friends. There's times you're not going to get a hold of your family. There's times you're not going to get a hold of your pastor. But I promise you, there's times that you're always going to be able to get a hold of God. And he's an abundantly available help. Amen. That when others can't help you, God can. That when others can't do for you, God can. He's an abundantly available help. John 14, 16. Jesus tells his disciples, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you. What, sometime? Forever. Hallelujah. I feel him today. King James says, I'll give you another comforter. We have a comforter. We have a helper that abides with us forever. Therefore, we don't have to be afraid. And I want to just point out something here about this verse. Notice Jesus said, I'll give you another helper. That word, another, there in the Greek language, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you somebody else who is just like me. You know, it would be great if we could have Jesus walking around with us day after day, wouldn't it? We would think that would be great. But Jesus is saying to His disciples, I'm going to give you somebody just like Me who's not only going to be with you, but He's going to be in you and He's going to be there forever. He's going to comfort you and He's going to help you. In fact, Jesus tells them, I believe it's in chapter 16, He said, in fact, it's expedient that I go. It's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the comforter. And thank God because Jesus died and was buried and ascended, the Comforter has come and now, praise God, He abides. And He abides with me. And He abides in the good times and He abides in the bad times. He abides forever. And because He abides, I don't have to be afraid. Amen. Amen. He guides me. He leads me. And He helps me in the difficult times of life. And because I have His presence, I don't have to be overwhelmed with worry. I don't have to be overwhelmed with stress. I don't have to be overwhelmed with panic because He abides with me. That means when stress begins to attack me, I can go to Him and know that He'll give me comfort. That means when fear begins to press into my life, I can look to Him and know that He'll give me peace. And He'll give me the comfort that I need. Uh, And when I feel like I can't go on, that He'll lift me up and He'll help me bear the burdens. In fact, He'll take the burden from me and He'll carry it for me because He is a very present help in my trouble. And so, let me ask us today, why should we ever be afraid when God, the creator of this world, is living down on the inside of us? Listen, if somebody as big as God's living on the inside of you, why should you ever be afraid? Why should you ever worry? Why should you ever panic when God's living inside of you? Think about it. If the one who spoke all of this into existence, and He holds it into existence with His Word, is down in your soul. Why are you panicking about what you're going through? If the one who knows the stars by names lives in you, and He knows the very number of hairs on your head, and He calls you His own, And He's chosen to take up residence in you. In fact, He says, I'll come and make my home in you. Why are you afraid? In fact, Paul says it this way, If God be for us, who can be against us? And if there's nothing that can ever separate us from His love, why should I ever be afraid and why should I ever worry? Amen? Amen? Because the Bible says, "He always causes me to triumph, and He always causes everything to work together for my good." Why should I worry? I choose not to be afraid. I always succeed at it. Succeed at it? No. But as best I can, I'm going to trust Him, and I'll not be afraid. Because He's proven Himself time and time again. I say to you today as I close this morning, you don't have to be afraid. Fear doesn't have to rule your life. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, I understand there's problems. I understand there's sicknesses and needs you have. But fear doesn't have to rule your life. It doesn't have to paralyze you. It doesn't have to cripple you. You can give it to God. And God will help you. I believe God's Word to us today is simply this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because what you're facing did not come to stay. It came to pass. Amen.